Hello and welcome to Yaf Podcast, the yet another Final Fantasy podcast where I play each Final Fantasy game, game by game, section by section, then I record a podcast about it. My name is Antonin Januska and this is Season 2, Episode 11. We're playing Final Fantasy 2, we're playing the mission to the Cyclone. So in the last episode, we visited the Mycidian, Mycidian, I still have not looked it up. We we visited the Mycidian Tower, we ran into Minwoo, Minwoo broke the seal and we got the Ultima Tome and it was time to go back to Finn. The first thing that I noticed when I, on my way back to Finn is the fact that every monster out there is a lot stronger now and I almost got wiped out by a random encounter near Altair. Now, Altair is inaccessible. Actually, none of the towns along that border are accessible whatsoever. Uh, you try to walk in there, like the, you know, it'll show up. It's on the map. You can try to walk in it, but your character is just not going to walk in there. It's not going to trigger the change in the world map, right? So I headed to Finn, talked to a bunch of people, and uh, I found out that there is a cyclone. The cyclone wiped out Altair, Poft, Pomped, Pomp. I don't remember the name of that other town. And, you know, now it was threatening to uh, wipe out Finn. And it turns out that the Cyclone was sent by the Emperor. Now that we've destroyed, you know, the Dreadnought at some point in the past, and now that we have the Ultima Tome and everything, and after all the cities and, and Finn was retaken, uh, it turns out that the Emperor just wanted to send a big Cyclone. For the, those that don't know what a Cyclone is, generally speaking, Cyclone is this huge body of air... Uh, it's like a hurricane. I mean, it's a different word for hurricane, hurricane, I think, right? So it's a lot of, it's a huge storm that spins, right? So it's kind of like a tornado, tornado, but very big. I suck at this. Sorry about that. It's just, it's a, it's like a hurricane as far as I know. Then, you know, I went to speak with everybody and then I ended up speaking to Paul. Now you don't have to speak to Paul at any point, but when you do speak to him, he will tell you that he has like some extra awesome stuff stashed in his house. And there is a secret door right by the bed in his bedroom and Paul the Thief will give you Black Garb, which is like this super amazing, strong I don't know, some the mages can wear this. So Maria and Guy put on the Black Garb and it increased their stats tremendously. Then there are the Thief Gauntlets, there's an Elixir, and a Blood Sword. Now the Blood Sword is the most important piece of information here. A Blood Sword is a sword that seems to have like very little strength, but it, it draws life out of its target and gives it to the holder. It could potentially on strong fighters replace any need for cure, right? And so I immediately thought of Guy. I don't believe Guy can actually equip this, but Guy is, you know, my... Guy has the axis on my team. So I gave it to Firion and... uh, only a little bit later, I found out through the guide that the, the Blood Sword is pretty useful. But if you select like optimal armor or whatever in the GBA version, you it, nobody will actually equip any of these items. And that's something to keep in mind that the optimal armor or the optimal equipment only looks at stats. It doesn't look at side effects and it doesn't look at anything like that that could possibly actually help. Yeah, so grab the Blood Sword and it's time to head to the castle. Now, when I talked to Hilda the first time, I asked her about the Dragoons and she said, nothing like oh who are the dragoons i've never heard of them before great that's so useless i ended up like walking around the the map for a while before resorting to the guide and the guide basically says hey you need to ask her about wyverns not about dragoons and i felt like this was a low point for this game (laughs) 
I asked for something that was very similar. Like, it still has to do with Dragoons, the, the whole story point, and Wyverns as well. I just don't understand why she would not understand what I was trying to do. It blows my mind. Like, this is just... Why? Why couldn't you say something like, Dragoons, yeah, they rode Wyverns. Um, it'd be great if Wyverns, blah, 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 if they were still around. We could use them right now. And then you would select on Wyverns, right? So... <sighs> My frustration aside, Hilda does tell you that you can use the big mirror and there's a room with a big mirror and you can hold up a pendant to it and it'll summon a wyvern. And you need a wyvern because there's no other way to get into the cyclone. And the idea is that there's something in the cyclone causing the cyclone and moving it and, and controlling it somehow. So you go find the mirror. Uh, this was pretty easy. So I abandoned the guide at this point. It was easy because I've gone there before by accident. And so it's like this big big room with a big mirror. You hold up the pendant. And then in the wyvern cavern, right, on the wyvern island or whatever, the wyvern wakes up, breaks out of the shell, and flies over to... To you in Finn. So you just caused the birth of a wyvern and now that a wyvern is like five minutes old it's flying over to you. So that same egg that you planted you know we finally come around to it to figure out what's going on. So not only do we have a dragoon on our side that can control the wyvern we have a wyvern. Now I don't want to I want to mention that I went a little bit out of order when I was looking for what to do next. It immediately occurred to me that I need to deal uh, I, I need to get a wyvern right. I did not ask Hilda about it because that didn't occur to me, but it occurred to me that I needed a wyvern. So I went back to Daist, which is the town of the dragoons. I can't believe, I can't remember the names of the towns now. But I went back to Daist, I talked to the, like the mom and the child there, and Ricard basically said that, hey child, uh, when I get back, I will be your father and raise you as a dragoon. And then he tells that woman that he's going to take care of her. Apparently that little boy's dad was Ricard's good friend and they knew each other which is kind of convenient it was a nice like little wrap up it was uh completely optional you don't have to go there maybe you'll have to go there like later on but not at this point and yeah so before we get to the cyclone i'm enjoying the story a little bit you know it, it, some things are coming together i was in, in the last episode i was i, I recorded it just earlier today so I'm, i was really frustrated with the fact that all the missions seemed disconnected and while this wyvern thing still feels a little bit disconnected at least there's a some kind of a resolution to it that the egg that you saved is going to be the egg is going to be the wyvern that saves you and talking to those people at deist it was nice to get the extra dialogue options where the characters recognize that you have a dragoon with you and they had some specific thoughts on that that was those were some those are some nice details that they added for sure and it <laughs> blew my mind that i'm gonna be flying a wyvern i thought i would just get on the wyvern when i got back uh, apparently that's not how it works and instead i uh when i when i tried to step onto the cyclone on foot, the wyvern picked me up and dropped me off inside. Now, what followed was one of the coolest cutscenes that I've seen in any game. And the cyclone is basically like this huge flying, I, I think it's a flying fortress. I think it's flying. I think it is. So this huge fortress, it is a floating fortress. I knew it. I, it's a Final Fantasy game. It was gonna have a floating for fortress and this was it. I just did not watch the cutscene closely enough. I knew it. I knew it was gonna be there. So the cyclone, the, the cyclone is this huge fortress fl that's floating and I guess it can create a cyclone around it, right? And uh, yeah. So then we get in there and now it's time to fight. I decided to completely forego the guide and I did not refer to it 
a single time until the very end. And I'll explain why that's very meaningful. I follow the pattern of get get into the first door on the left or on the top of the map every single time, which tends to be like the, or like the first door that you can get to, the closest door, and keep going down the closest door to you. The reason I did this is because this game kind of follows this pattern. You go to the first place, that you encounter, then you go to the next one, then you go to the next one. And when I did that, I ended up finding myself uh, all the way up top, all the way on floor seven, all the way on floor seven of the of the fortress, ready to fight the emperor without having had opened like any chests or anything. And there's a lot of loot in this fortress. There's a ripper knife, which I think would be great for Layla if I ever play with her because she handles knives. There's a poison axe, which would be perfect for Guy because one one of his axes could be poisonous. There's the diamond armlet, diamond helmet, diamond sword, defense sword, diamond armor, and all this awesome stuff. And a wind flute. The wind flute I did pick up, but all of the this high high level awesome armor and attacks and everything, I decided to ignore it. I decided to completely ignore it. Like, what's the point? So, yeah, so by picking the first door that I came across every single time, I found myself at the top level in, like, no time at all without having had looted anything. And that's okay. And I'm okay with this. There was one thing, I did pick up the wind flute, which I believe summons the cyclone in a battle. So first summonings, I just want to mention, and it's not the first, it's not how I discovered it either. I actually haven't used that. I discovered that I can summon the, the wyvern in battle. Now what that means is that like the wyvern is technically like a special object in your inventory and you can, you can use that, use that object to cast, what was it, like wind six or wind eight or something like that. Some, you know, uh, spell basically. So yeah, this is, I think this is the first occurrence of a summoning in these games. Because in the past you could use like special magical items to use them once to cast them spell. And you can do this in this game as well. It's not as apparent as in the other one because in the other one, it just says like, oh, it casts heal in, in Final Fantasy 1. In Final Fantasy 2, it'll say something like, oh, this item is imbued with magic and it seems to have healing properties. So it's it's not entirely direct. And you can still use those items and I don't use them as much because I think the most useful one has always been, had always been uh, the healing one, except for the Hermes shoes that I got in the Mycidian Tower in the last episode. It casts hastes, like haste eight or something amazing and i used it thoroughly when i had to fight the green dragon now the green dragon was a pop-up monster protecting the flute so you know what just to wrap this up real quick yeah you can select a wyvern you can select the 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 wooden or i guess the wind flu flute not flu wind flute and you can use those items to basically cast these spells but this is more like uh, a summoning there's no you don't actually see any animation you just see the you don't see the animation you just see the spell being cast and you kind of know that it, it's going to be this specific spell like you kind of know that the spell is coming from that monster so when you select the wyvern it's a wind spell you know obviously anyway i'm getting a little bit lost here so when you fight the green dragon which is like a mid not I guess it's like a mini boss before the main boss and you can skip him by not getting the wind flute, but it's right next to the stairs that go up to floor seven. So of course you're not going to skip it. I didn't skip it. I went ahead and went to floor seven. And so at this point I had to check the guide because I'm like, what if I went the wrong way? And now I have to go down seven floors to activate some weird thing. And I glanced on the gu at the guide and the guide basically says like, yeah, floor seven is where you uh, encounter the emperor, but you know, this is how to go through the first six or five floors and get all the items first and then go, go to see the emperor. And I mentioned this before, I don't like all these random encounters. When they're purposeful, that's fine. 
random encounters during exploration does not feel good to me inside of a you know a tower and especially and this is another mechanic that i'm realizing i don't like about final fantasy you don't actually see the number of monsters like every floor is limitless of how many monsters there are, right? Like, it's kind of like in Pokemon, if you have just one piece of grass, as long as you keep walking over it, you're going to keep getting random encounters. As long as you keep walking around on a f- at a floor, on a floor of the building or whatever, you're going to keep getting random encounters. And I'm starting to realize I really don't like invisible random encounters. With Chrono Trigger, for example, I'm going to go ahead and compare it to a few games before we talk about the Emperor. With Chrono, with Chrono Trigger, you see the enemies and you can't sneak by them. It's not easy, but you can't sneak by them. And if you don't want to sneak by them, at least you can eliminate all of the enemies on the current map. So I could go, if this game was structured the same way, I could eliminate the five enemies that I see on the floor. And I'm like, okay, five enemies, I can definitely defeat them and explore without an issue. But because of the way that this game's structured, you eliminate five enemies and there's a hundred more waiting for you every three steps right does ugh, doesn't feel like great the green dragon gave me a run for my money ricard kept dying ricard is still under like a thousand hp and i mentioned this in the last episode that his hp is really low and the way i found out is through the green dragon that attacked ricard with a single 1000 hp punch and knocked him out Meanwhile, the same thing happened to Maria, and she she got a 900 HP, like a 900 hit punch, or whatever attack the Green Dragon uses. And I'm like, okay, but her, her health is high enough that she can take two of those fully, and then still have enough health to be alive and, you know, use cure or something. In fact, every single one of my characters can take that much damage. And Guy can take like six attacks from the Green Dragon without, without ga- getting KO'd. So it felt... Uh, it, yeah, yeah, Ricard felt very weak in that moment, and I ended up using him to use all the different items, and I it wasn't this battle where I found out about the Wyvern. I don't think I actually used the Wyvern in this battle, but he kept using different items. My playstyle has changed a lot by this point. Again, this is all in preface of the Emperor. I started using Blink a lot more, so Blink is kind of like your character moves so fast or whatever that, or I guess like, it, it just basically means that the enemy has a higher chance of missing, right? You have a higher chance of dodging. Back in the days of when I played Pokemon, Double Team, it was basically literally the same attack, and I'm drawing a lot of parallels here because there are a lot of parallels here. Double Team was one of the signature attacks of uh, Pikachu in the TV show or whatever, right? A little bit of a Pokemon primer. It was an attack that like when you were kid you're like what does this do i don't you know this is not fun i need to have all offensive and when you start to learn about strategies you find out that double team is one of the best things you can do to cast in the first turn because it suddenly makes half of your oh not necessarily half but possibly like a half of your your enemy's attacks miss i used protect and I use Shell, and I use all these different other spells. So basically, Maria ends up casting buffs on everybody. Buffs, and then she starts... Once she buffs everybody up, she go ahead and starts attacking. And that's been working out super well. Like I said, Blink has been super useful, because uh, when I fought against the Ice Gigas in the last episode in the Mycidian Tower, he could almost one-hit KO me, and it was doing enough damage that Maria was constantly trying to revive Guy and Ferian was constantly trying to run Cure. Once I hit Blink, none of the attacks landed. And I found that when two of his two of the Giga's attacks miss, you know, I'm I'm good to go. And so in I'm like good to dis- destroy that monster. In this case, same thing happened with the green dragon. I was, you know, lighting up all the different colors. When you cast uh, cast a buff on your characters, they light up different colors, so you know that they have like three or four different buffs. It was just, it was magnificent. It was a tough battle, but ended up winning it. So, finally, the emperor.
The Emperor sits in a throne room at the top of the for floating fortress. Based on the recommendation from the guide, I equip Bloodsword on Farian, and, you know, I go in. First, you fight against four royal guards when you take a step, because the, the Emperor is like, hey, like, I'm going to send my guards after you. You take another step, and you fight four more guards. And then you take another step, and you finally fight the Emperor. Now, what occurred to me at the beginning of the first match was that I forgot to heal up and put give all of my uh, characters ether. So I was running on 20 MP on Maria. <laughs> And half the health on all of my characters. And I ended up beating beating it all the way to the end anyways. The battles against the uh, the Royal Guards weren't too difficult. Because Maria could set up Protect. And that did a good enough job. And Blink did, you know, the rest of the difficulty in that match. You know, it did away with the rest of the difficulty there. And Furion and Furion's Bloodsword kept healing him. So he healed up pretty quickly. Guy did his own thing. And Ricard, I think, was using Aether on Maria and on himself. And on the other characters to heal them up throughout the match. But they were really strong too, so you can't like to, <laughs> you can't uh, put your guard down <laughs> when you're fighting a royal guard, apparently. So I ended up like half healing, half recharging my characters during those fights and during the final fight. When you fight against the emperor, it's the emperor, the royal two royal guards, and a wood golem. And it's actually not an easy fight. It's a very lengthy fight. The emperor has really strong spells, but because he's like the only viable character in that team, you know, he casts one thing like protect. Eight or something on himself and that's it and then you have three characters that aren't very strong that you can go ahead and destroy and the bloodsword did such a good job too like it kept healing Farian and and doing decent damage to every single character it hit maria buffed up every single character in my in my party you know guy did his own thing ricard did his own thing and i'm just proud of all of them and they ended up defeating the emperor as soon as the emperor started disappearing i realized that i never used my ultima tome i never used my ultima tome it is not mentioned in the guide. It is not mentioned anywhere. It. I forgot about it. I started that fight and uh, I didn't even think about it. I was like, all right, let me go ahead and finish this mission. What was it for anyways? Why did I need it? Why did I have to go through that tower just to go see the Emperor and not even use it? And it turns out, I think Ultima is not even a spell that you can learn. I think it's like an item that you can use in a battle. I'm not sure. I, I haven't figured it out yet. But to have gone through the Mycidian Tower, to have gone through the Mycidian Tower, right? Or Mycidian, whatever. To get to Ultima Tome, Minu sacrificed himself for this tome. I went up 10 levels after going through three levels of the guts of a Leviathan. And I didn't need it. And I don't even know if I can teach it to anybody. Why? Why do you do this to me, game? Why were the last several missions pointless? I didn't even need to use it. The guide didn't. The guide didn't mention it, so I'm guessing it doesn't even have like a special amazing effect against the emperor. Why did I bother with it? So you come back to Finn. You have a nice little dancing animation in the GBA version, at least. I don't know about the NES. Hilda will congratulate you. You're celebrating your party, and I guess this is it. You know, this is it. We never needed to use the Ultima Tone. The Emperor is finally dead. We can start rebuilding. Psych. It was a fa fake ending. And did that surprise anybody? Nope, because I've been talking about it for the past few episodes where I know there's going to be a fake ending. And now it makes sense why the Emperor was a completely flat and useless character that you know nothing about. Because the Emperor gets easily destroyed, right? Where, like, you attack him and he's not even... He didn't even feel like a difficult boss. I had more trouble with the Gigas than with the Emperor, right? Like, just to put that into 
perspective, the 10-level Mycidian Tower was a more pain in the ass than fighting the Emperor who's supposed to be the end-all be-all of magic and whatever. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's fake. There's a soldier that interrupts the party, and uh, apparently Leon, Maria's brother, has declared himself the Emperor of Palamacia, right, like of that air, entire area, and is about to launch an attack on Finn. I knew it. I knew there wasn't going to be an ending. And I kind of have a feeling that Leon is still going to be a demon or something at the end. <laughs> because why not? That would be such a Final Fantasy thing. Like, oh, it's Leon. Why Why is Leon a bad guy? Turns out he was like the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, uh, like the left hand of the Emperor, right? I don't know if we knew that the whole time or if I just found that out. But, you know, they were talking about it and... I started on the next mission, which is to the mission to Palamacia. I'm going to go ahead and just say that, you know, Palamacia is a is a fortress in the mountains. And uh, you need to go there to defeat Leon, the bad guy. Just, ah, uh, why? Why is Leon, why is Leon a dark knight? How did that even happen? I'm going to, I want, I'm, you can hear me clicking because I'm going back through the story trying to find out anything about Leon, you know? Leon is held captive at, uh, whatever, uh, at Finn. Maria asks about her brother Leon, but he, I'm guessing at that point, was Scott. Yeah, Scott, the Prince of Kashuan, doesn't know anything about Leon. Then he just, then he doesn't show up. Then he doesn't show up for, like, the next several missions. I've been wondering what happened to Leon, and as soon as, like, everything ended, I kind of figured that Leon would be the one to take over. Or just, they didn't even mention him. It was really weird. They're like, oh, we're celebrating. You don't even know what happened to Leon yet. Why are you celebrating? Wasn't the whole point of all of this to save Leon? And now we find out the Dark Knight that orchestrated the Dreadnought was Leon? What a plot twist. What a plot twist. All right, well... I think that's it. I'm getting a little bit more pensive about these games as I'm nearing the end. This is probably one of the longest episodes. It was also one of the longer fights, but there was just so many points that I wanted to talk about. Like I said, the ultimatum that didn't even matter. The fake ending, which I guess was pretty predictable. It's Final Fantasy. You know, I'm... Yeah, I guess that's kind of it. So... In the next episode, we will hopefully be fighting against Leon. It is not the last episode. That'll be epi the the last episode will be the one after that. So that means that there's probably going to be one more twist about going to fight the Dark Knight. Unless it's probably I'm. Let me think. Um, it might be a last minute MacGuffin. Is that what it's called? A MacGuffin? Do you know what a MacGuffin is? A MacGuffin is a random object necessary to advance the plot, or but in itself, it's insignificant, unimportant, or even or irrelevant completely right and if you think about the MacGuffin, it's it's like any random thing that helps you explain a difficult plot point away in a story right so if you think about let's see if you think about like star trek right like star trek has a lot of this where each episode is centered of like well if we get this one item we'll be able to defeat the enemy and that's kind of what it is right like and in final fantasy we see the the this whole MacGuffin thing and i i wish there was a better word for it that feels so i don't know Plot coupons. That is a fantastic <laughs> plot coupon. Um, so in this case, like the MacGuffin, you know, MacGuffins are all around here where the MacGuffin is Mithril that you go see like in, in the Final Fantasy 2 game. So I'm, here's my prediction. And I wanted to mention this. My prediction is we go fight Leon. Leon ends up being an actual demon. And because this is not the last episode, next episode, we're probably going to have to get like a special orb or ooh, crystal, a special crystal that will weaken Leon or the demon 
that controls Leon enough for us to defeat him. So that's my that that's what I'm thinking. I think that the next episode is, is gonna be us hunting down an item that will help us defeat Leon the demon. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. If you like this podcast, leave a rating and a review. If you want to, obviously share it with your friends. I appreciate that. You can find me on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash yaffpodcast. That's Y-A-F-F podcast. I sometimes tweet on there. And I guess until next time, 